Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome my good friend Taylor Johnson. Uh, we got to know each other during my time at GameStop and his time with Optic Gaming. Previous to that, he was a performance coach for the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to talk a lot about how to improve your performance, whether you're a traditional athlete, an esports athlete, or a business professional. Let's talk to Taylor. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the, the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, Taylor Johnson, my good friend, joining me from Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for joining me here on the DLC Drop Podcast. How are you doing? Great, brother. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. So one of the reasons why I'm super excited about this episode, number one, it's just great to talk to you. Um, I always enjoy the conversations that we have, whether they're remote or in person. Um, But you have an expertise and experience on something that so few people either aren't even aware of or don't fully understand, and that is performance training in esports with the background of traditional sports. And so I'm just really excited to share all of what you've learned with our audience today. Totally. Let's do it. Fantastic. So a little background for the audience. Uh, Taylor and I met when I was at GameStop. This, this is how most of my, <laughs> how did I meet somebody start? I was at GameStop, yeah. had a fancy title. And you at the time were working for, with Infinite Esports and Entertainment, which had just acquired Optic Gaming. Do I have that right? Yep, yep correct. Right. And so you guys were doing some really innovative things as far as taking pro players and doing physical exercises, physical training. And a lot of people would see that and say, wait, aren't gamers just, you know, slightly overweight, uh, living in their mom's basement, eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew? And that is not the case, in fact. And there are all of these benefits. Uh, you've helped me learn this. All these benefits to even something that is much more sedentary than running down a football field. Right. But give me like a real quick high level of how physical performance training benefits esports athletes. Yeah. I mean, the the whole stigma behind gamers is really interesting, right? It's like, like you said, everyone's like, oh, well, like they don't do anything. They're just playing games. Like, yeah, they're playing games and they have incredibly high output. And so the way I kind of frame it, you know, and I'll start with how I framed it to the players, because one of the biggest things that I came across, even traditional sports, is like getting player buy-in. Hmm. It's like really having people buy into the fact of like, hey, we're going to do these things and these things are going to help you improve X, Y, and Z. And the way I framed all of that is, you know, your brain is your moneymaker. Okay. You are a cognitive athlete. You are a high performer. And just as a quick tangent, it's like, I think everybody is a high performer. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, lawyer, stay at home, mom, soccer, dad, you know, working in gaming, working in any other industry, everybody's a performer in some way, shape or form. Well, we, we all want to be high performers. <laughs> Maybe we're right? not all high performers. Yeah. So yeah. we're all performers and we're striving to achieve something. Yes. Right. So there's an arena in which we show up to every single day and it could look in many different contexts. Right. And so I think with that, I mean, there's some fundamental things we can, we can do to improve our performance and consistency on a day-to-day basis. So that's kind of like the context. So then speaking to the gamers, it was like, Hey, your brain is your moneymaker. Mm-hmm. And like, they kind of be like, like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, 
what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is you're using a lot of cognitive power, right? You're using energy resources. You're thinking very deeply about the strategy, the technical and tactical aspects of the game. You have teamwork and communications. You're using a lot of resources. And the way to improve not only your performance and extend your longevity is to take care of your health and wellness. So I framed everything around that. It's like, hey, let's just make you, let's try to get you five or 10%, even just 1% better in terms of your cognitive output and just see what happens. Hmm. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of these gamers, they were like curious. So like, okay, like intuitively they understood. It's like, yeah, my brain's pretty important. Like I think a lot on a day-to-day basis. And then that kind of opened up the conversation around, okay, well, what could that look like? And I think for a lot of things, it's really just meeting people where they're at, especially with gamers, you know, and this goes for a lot of people in general, it's like they only know what they know and you can't fault them for not having an in-depth knowledge of, you know, deep strategies on nutrition or sleep and recovery and all these other things. So you got to meet them where they're at. And I think when I kind of framed it to them in the sense of like, Hey, we could just do some easy things and let's just see what happens and build consistency and build habits. So really like backing out, out of all that, I mean, really, it's framing the conversation around behavior change and coming up with easy wins that I call them BAMs. You know, I know you don't swear much on this podcast, but I call them bare ass minimums, right? B-A-M-S. That's what acceptable. are your BAMs? Yeah. 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 Right. It's like, what are your BAMs that you could do on a daily basis that could push you towards this ideal state? Mm. And so that's kind of how we framed it. And it was super challenging and a lot of fun. And it was a complex problem to solve. And I think inherently things are complex but they don't need to be complicated. And I think when you can parse them out and have them in these different buckets and show little bite-sized chunks, well, then the complicated aspect kind of disappears. And then you're like, okay, this is a process that I can follow. And that's kind of how like the conversation started with a lot of these players. The DLC Drop Podcast is sponsored by Ice Shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all iShaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. I, I really love how you're framing that. Um, you know, Number one, what you're addressing here is overcoming, whether it's doubt, unbelief, or just not being aware of something based on their experience. But the other thing, too, is a lot of times, especially strength training, performance training, fitness, uh, we're coming up here on the first of the year uh, at this recording. This episode will come out in 2022, but a lot of people are going to be in that place where they're going to the gym right? We have our New Year's resolutions and those things can be intimidating. And I I feel like so often it's like I'm doing nothing or I'm doing everything right? and I get burnt out, right? right? And so you, it sounds like based on your experience, you've got a really great expertise on how to frame this. So it's like, 
let me give you a bite-sized chunk. Let me get you what I can, what you can handle today. Get you interested, understand that this is beneficial, and then grow with that. Is that accurate? Hundred percent. I mean, it's one of my mentors when I was working at the the Forty Niners. You know, he would point out to the weight room and the practice field, and he would say, you know, all of this, the programming, the training. He goes, this stuff is easy. He's like the hard stuff. And he'd point to the locker room, point to the GM's office, point to the coach's offices. He's like, that's the complex stuff. Hmm. He's like, it's all about how you frame the conversations. It's all about the psychology. It's about the buying. It's about the trust. It's about understanding about where individuals are at, both as, you know, them themselves, but then also as part of that collective unit within the team. And so one of the things you kind of called out, which I thought was, it's a really good point. It's like, you know, everybody's got different understandings of where they're at and, one of the very first things I did when I started working with esports players is I would just ask them questions, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you got two ears, one mouth, like, you know, listen twice as much as you speak. So I would just ask questions like, so what is the biggest blocker? Like, why haven't you, you know, given where you're at now, like what has prevented you from really getting more into health and wellness and really eating healthier or getting more sleep? Like you kind of know these things are important. Yeah. What's been the biggest blocker? And it came down to three things. It was a lack of knowledge, a lack of resources, and a lack of confidence, right? So that was across a number of different players, right? Probably like 100, 200 different players that I asked this question to. And are we talking Uh, about esports players here? Esports players, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting, right? It's like, okay, so lack of knowledge, lack of resources, lack of confidence. So then when I was at Infinite and I was the VP of performance, what our team really set out to do, and I had a team of very talented performance coaches that I brought over from traditional sports and some that were also in gaming, you know, I sat down with our team and said, okay, like, what can we do to really help drill down and unpack these blockers, right? So lack of knowledge. All right, cool. So like, what would that look like on a daily basis? Can we provide them easily understandable insights on how they can improve both lifestyle or all of these things, lifestyle, mindset, nutrition, movement, recovery. Can we provide resources outside of just educational talks? Can we build a facility? Can we send them home with like uh, foam rollers and lacrosse balls and resistance bands along with videos on how to do these exercises? And then the third thing is, is like, if you can handle these first two and frame it and build the container around them having the opportunities to really learn and have authority and autonomy and really take ownership over how they improve themselves, the confidence just comes, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a byproduct of handling the first two things. And I think it's one of the most important things to do is really assess and say, okay, like what are the biggest blockers? Let's say you come up with like five, in this case we had three. It's like, well, what can we tackle first to then have all the others kind of sort themselves out? Awesome. Yeah, and I'm already loving this conversation here because I feel like there's going to be so many actionable things that people can take away and the daily per- the daily person right like this episode is not just for esports pros or for NFL football players but I feel like yeah. a lot of people who are on LinkedIn uh, who are in their office working are going to have a lot to take away so help me with this it sounds like when you're starting out okay you're giving them the easy stuff first right you want to kind of tease it, make it attainable and something to build on. What are those initial things that are effective, but also attainable, easy to understand to start out with? I think first and foremost, what I ask people to do is kind of take stock of like, Hey, what is your current understanding around health and wellness? Like, what does that actually mean to you? Mm. 
Um, and part of that is thinking like, okay, here's where you're at now. What is this ideal state in which you, you want to really strive for? And this kind of goes into like, you know, the barriers or limiting beliefs like you talked about. I'm really big on the psychology, the positive psychology and reframing, you know, and trying to remove these blockers, these limiting beliefs. So it's like, hey, where are you at now? Where do you want to go? Like, what does that look like? What does that outcome look like? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we have this outcome, this ideal state. What are the behaviors that need to be true in order to get you there? Okay, so then that kind of gives you a bit of a roadmap and you start to reverse engineer what that roadmap could look like. Mm. And then the specifics is like, okay, so you kind of understand like sleep's important. Cool. And, you know, how do you know that's important? Well, I read this study or I heard somebody talking about it. I'm like, well, how do you feel when you don't sleep? Like, oh, tired. Well, actually, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> oh man, I actually feel really tired. So let's, let's work through it. It's like, when you don't sleep, John, like, how do you feel? That's how I feel most days of my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. So let's see. I'm not motivated. Cool. I probably lack confidence because I'm not getting done like what I really need to get done. And I'm a little disappointed in myself because I'm like, dang it, John, like you went to sleep late again. And so I'm I'm also trying to push through barriers that wouldn't be there if I had gone to sleep on time. And I, I have obviously low energy in those moments as well. Yeah. yeah, cool, great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Right, so, you know, the lack of motivation, the mental fog, maybe, you know, it's kind of like you're pushing through jello. You know, your thoughts are like moving through jello. You're like, why is this taking me so long to get to this thought that I know it could get to if I had a little bit more energy? Sure. You know, so it's like, okay, so that's like, that's your current baseline. And the question is like, well, what if that was different? You know, like what if you were able to get just even 15 more minutes of sleep, whether it be on the front end, like the night before you go to bed a little bit earlier or you wake up a little bit later. And so again, this is the conversations that I'll have with players and kind of think about like, well, what are these like breaks, like these stress point breaks in which like you kind of fall from grace or you fall from your routine, that would be this optimal state. Hmm. So, and I, I try to avoid like all the deep science stuff. I'm like, Hey, if you really want to dig into it, we can. And I try to try to keep yeah. it stupid, simple and make it very, very relatable to somebody's life and where they're at. So it's like, John, so it's like, what time do you typically go to bed? If you don't mind me asking. So I try to go to bed around 10:30. Cool. And what time do you get up? I get up around 6:37. Okay. Do you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or both, or none at all? I'm a great sleeper, man. I I could sleep anywhere Lucky. at any time. I am. I when I was traveling the country skateboarding, I was on the six month long tour all over the country, and that was one of the questions was, you know, how good of a sleeper are you, dude? I yeah. would just fall asleep on this in the van. Or, <sighs> Lucky man. I wish. Know. I wish that was the case. Cool. Yes. So I am blessed yeah. in that way. However, I do need a lot of sleep. So, you know, some people can operate on less, but so I can fall asleep anytime, but I need it, man. If I'm not getting eight hours, I'm tired. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Same. Right. I feel the same. You know, I have trouble more times than not falling asleep than it is staying asleep. You know? And so for me then, so if I already use myself example, it's like, I know I have trouble falling asleep. So then the things that I do throughout my day to make sure that I can set myself up for success, like what's my win when it comes to sleep is no caffeine past 2 PM is an hour or 30 minutes before bed. I start to wind down 
and I try to turn my electronics off. I try to pick up a book and read. I try to do some breathing exercises. It is, and it is for a lot of people, especially these gamers, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so they're playing, they have, let's say professional esports players. So they have their daily responsibilities that relates to practice. So they have maybe two or three scrim blocks. They've got VOD reviews, they've got team meetings, and they have their streaming obligations. And they may have some partnership or sponsorship obligations. So they're really, and then they may jump in and just play some solo queue and just like grind a game till, you know, 11, 12, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. You know, that just happens. And so part of it is like saying, okay, well, here's these things that you're doing on a daily basis. Now we've already talked about what this ideal state of how you want to perform, how you want to feel on a given day is. So what's the gap, right? So like, and can we close that gap? And I think just as a side note on that, I just got done reading this really good book called The Gap in the Game by Dan Sullivan. Uh, It's phenomenal, right? And what they talk about is this concept of far too often high achievers and high performers, you know, they put themselves in either one of two states. They're either in the gap of the game, Oh, which means yeah, like you're, you're where you are, you know where you want to go, this ideal state, and you live in this gap between where you are and where you want to go. So you're not actually able to appreciate this, the, the accomplishments that you've achieved. You're not able to appreciate the present moment. You're not able to look back and say, wow, I've actually come a really long way. And you're not actually able to stack these wins on a day-to-day basis. And so, I was kind of doing this even before, like intuitively. Then when I read this book, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is gold. And I highly recommend everybody to just even take a look, like read like, you know, cliff notes on it, just yeah. kind of understand that concept. And so part of what I would do with these players is say like, okay, like we know this ideal state. Okay, sleep is maybe one of your biggest blockers. And again, kind of I'm bouncing around and I apologize, but kind of going back to the initial intake questions, it's like, okay, we have these five buckets that we know with science that are really important to just overall performance outcomes, right? Lifestyle, mindset, nutrition, movement, recovery, just these things. Mm -hmm. So of these five things, what seems to be your biggest blocker, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, we'll just use sleep. So sleep is like the biggest thing that impacts all of these other factors, both in game and out of game performance. Okay, cool. So let's focus on that. And then part of the framework is then saying, okay, well, your baseline is how you feel today, which maybe you're a little bit tired, a little bit groggy, a little, little brain fog. Cool. Like what's one thing that we can do to help move you in a direction of this ideal state, but have it be a small enough item or task or behavior change that you could stack consistently. Yeah, right? that'll do so, it. Cause you can, I think a big part of it is like you could have the best weight room in the world, for example, but if you don't ever use the weights, they're useless. Yeah. And yeah. so what can we get you to pick up today consistently, essentially? Yeah, right? and it's it's all habit stacking. It's like what BJ Fong out of uh, Stanford talks about habit stacking, you know, where it's basically like you choose one thing that you're doing already and then you just add a small little modification onto the back end of it. You know, so like in the morning when you brush your teeth, well, as soon as you're done brushing your teeth, you do like five push-ups, something like that, right? So you habit stack, yeah. And Atomic Habits is another, yeah. Atomic Habits is another great book uh, by James Clear, okay. and he basically takes the work of B.J. Fong and then also adds his own kind of framework onto it as well. And so I know we bounced around a little bit, and I apologize for those that are listening, but kind of bringing it back to 
you know, what are the, the action items or the framework? It's kind of figuring out for yourself and being like, okay, like what are my strengths and what are my areas of opportunities in terms of how I want to perform on a day-to-day basis? Okay, cool. Like write those down. And what's like the one thing, if I were to focus on one thing that would make everything else way easier for me to achieve the rest of these desired results, like what would that be? Cloning and myself. Then that, <laughs> what was that? Cloning myself. Cloning yourself, right? Maybe one day, I don't know. Working Maybe on that have, yeah. yeah, working on it. Science will catch up. Um, but yeah, then take that and break it down into small chunks. Like, okay, like I'm gonna do this one thing, just this one thing for two weeks and just see how that goes and just test and assess and then modify as you need to. And how, I, this is a pretty, I think, commonly known stat, but I can't uh, quite remember. How long does it take to do something for it to become a habit? Is that 30 days or is that... Uh, you know, I've heard like, I've seen like mixed things on it. Some say it's like 67, like 60 days or, you know, it's, it's more than for it to really stick. And I'd have to go back and, you know, read the literature on that. I don't know, but let's just assume that it takes longer than you think, right? <laughs> so it's Good like point. keeping that in mind. And then also knowing like we're human beings, man. Like we gotta keep, we gotta keep hold the space for humanity and like what life brings us. True. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do. I mean, this is another thing, you know, that I always talk to my players about is, you know, self-examination, you know, you know, we talk, I talk to a lot of my players about purpose, right? Cause a lot of these are just young individuals. Like, yeah. Oh, like, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, what's your purpose? I'm just really curious. Be the best game in the world. Cool. But what's after that? You know, it sounds like that's a mission in life. That's not your purpose. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then they're like, Oh, like, oh, that's an interesting concept, you know? And like, and a story about that too, just as a, to kind of like highlight the need for more of this, these types of conversations in esports. Cause I'm very adamant around, you know, personal and professional development, especially because we're dealing with very young individuals. Yeah. You know, so I was at Optic, we had Optic League of Legends team, and I had a pretty good relationship with a lot of those players, one in particular. And I'll never forget him, and he calls me one day, and he's like, coach, I'm freaking out. Like, what's going on, man? I'm like, oh, I'll like clear the room, like, you know, like talk to you, man, what's up? Yeah. And he's like, you know, I woke up this morning and realized that I am not gonna be a professional gamer for the rest of my life. Whoa. Kid's 21. And I was like, yeah. So how do you feel about that? Hard reality. Yeah. Yeah. Hard reality. He goes, I'm scared, man. He's like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this. I'm like, okay. Wow. So let's work through that. Like let's, let's worst case scenario. What does that look like? And we did a whole fear setting exercise. And I did that only to show him that his worst fear really isn't that bad but then also show him like a path forward and say, okay, look, man, you've acquired all these amazing skills of being a professional player. Yeah. And they're all transferable if you choose to see it that way. So it was just a reframe and a shift in his perspective of what he had achieved up to that point. And again, like the gap in the game, right? It's like, there was this gap of reaching its professional level, this, this gain to get to the professional level. Then he's like, well, what's next? And there was this wide open void so be like, I don't know what's next. I'm like, dude, isn't that awesome though? Like anything is next for you. Wow. You can do whatever you want if you choose to see it that way. Uh, he's still playing to this day, which is awesome, you know, but I, and I still talk to him and we have those conversations and really try to drill down. It's like, you know, for me doing this work 
in gaming, even when I was working in traditional sports, I said it all along. People are like, man, you must have loved football. Like you were coaching football performance for like 10 years. I'm like, no, actually I never loved football. What I loved is the people. Like mm-hmm. I care more about the people playing the game than the game itself. And so for me, making the jump from traditional sports to esports, it didn't matter. Cause I, it's all the same. I'm just working with human beings that are trying to achieve great things in life. Wow. So I'm hearing the word purpose and I worked with an executive coach uh, over the last year and that really helped me in a number of ways and uh, become a better leader, increase my confidence and also recognizing my my purpose, what I want my legacy to, to be. Mm-hmm. How, how are you able to uh, personally discover your purpose and what can we share with the audience to help people discover what their purpose might be? Yeah, sure. So my take on purpose, that's a good one. It's be a little bit vulnerable too, right? So, and I have no problem with that. So I was in a relationship with a woman who challenged me every day. She's like, what's your purpose? Mm. You know, she really called me forward in a lot of ways. And, you know, oftentimes when you're in a relationship, I mean, that's the, the Buddhists say like the fastest way to enlightenment is relationships, right? Because they call you forward in ways in which like you never thought possible. Sure. And it pushes you to your edge and you find your limit. And she'd always question me, like, what's your purpose? Because she knew I was, at the time when we were dating, I was really unhappy. You know, I was really struggling to kind of find my stride. And it's like, I don't know what my purpose is. Like, I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to figure this out the best I can. And that relationship ended, and it really broke me open. Like, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for her. Yeah. Because it showed me so much in my life. And in that moment, I was, like, really thinking, like, okay, well, what is this purpose, this thing called purpose? And I had a good buddy of mine who does a lot of men's work and leads retreats and his whole thing is on purpose too. Mm. And I used to think my purpose was to create, lead and serve, right? Those are kind of like the three buzzwords that I had. And I thought about that and it's, yeah, it feels really true for me. Yeah. And then after that relationship ended, I took some time to really kind of dive into that and think about it more. And I really started down this whole path of, you know, self-examination and really looking at what makes me tick. Like, what is the full authentic expression of myself? What does that look like? How do I navigate the world, the conversations that I have? What are my relationships with others? But first and foremost, relationship with myself. And really what I came back to is like, my purpose is to know myself. Like my sole purpose in this life is to truly know who I am what are my triggers? What excites me? What do I like? What do I don't like? How do I manage conflict? Mm-hmm. It's this constant refinement of self. Mm. And when I got to that, I was like, oh, this is the most badass game I will ever play. You know, the game of life is the coolest game you will ever play. And I'm like, well, the more I know myself, it's almost like I'm giving myself cheat codes to figure out how to play this game called life. True. Good point. And I'm not saying it, you know, the game in sense of like, you know, you know, villain, Victor, you know, all these different things. It's like, no, man, like I want to play, I want to play all out. Like, I don't want to be in the, I don't want to be in the stands. I want to be on the court playing all out. The only way I can do that is to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and this kind of goes back to the limiting beliefs. It's like, okay, well, where am I holding myself back in my relationship to myself and then my relationship to others? So what I realized is I am a man of one purpose, know myself with many missions. Right. So then it's like, okay, my mission right now, working with performance, you know, and esport players. My mission is also working at state space project manager, where I consider myself a high performance project manager. Mm-hmm. Where I'm coaching up teams, building culture, building leadership, 
developing individuals, both for professional life and personal life. Yeah. Also have other many missions outside of work, you know? So that's kind of what I've landed. And that's like the most freeing thing for me being like, okay, it's not something outside of myself. It's all internal. Interesting. So what has been one thing that maybe people can pursue themselves, but has been effective in helping you learn, get to know yourself? A lot of journaling, you know, uh, a lot of journaling, self-reflection. I mean, people, it's not like a, Hey, dear diary, you know, although sometimes <laughs> I do that. It's kind of fun yeah. to be like, Hey, dear diary, you know, dear Taylor. Yeah. But I think really it's like taking time to, to do an honest self-assessment and say, okay, like how'd I do today? You know, one of the things I picked up from a podcast with uh, Hugh Jackman is he talks about, he writes out declarations every day. Okay. So every day in the morning he says, okay, today I, I'm going to accomplish this, but he writes it as if it's past tense. Like it's already happened. He goes, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be an excellent father, an excellent husband. I'm going to attack my day with focus and clarity and presence. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, he looks back and says, okay, like how'd I do? You know? So I think doing that is a great practice. Yeah. Um, And you can do it in easy framework. You know, like I wake up, like personally I wake up, I do three, three points of gratitude. Mm -hmm. I write like what I'm the possibility of, like I'm the possibility of, you know, navigating my day with presence, calmness, and clarity. Hmm. Cool. And then I basically say, okay, what are my top three wins that I want to go after today? Yeah. And then at the end of my day, I look back and say, well, how'd I do? And then if I didn't accomplish those things, it's not like, oh, like, you know, shame on me. I'm like, okay, well, why, why, did, why didn't that happen? Did I get in a funk? You know, did I have a conversation that kind of knocked me off the rails and then it took me like an hour to get back on? Like, cool. Like, well, why is that? So it's this constant process of self-examination. And I do that with my players too. Yeah. You know, I think again, for a lot of these young, young individuals, I mean, even people that I work with too, like within companies and organizations, it's just getting them more self-aware. It's like, okay, am I getting triggered? Cool. Like that's awesome feedback. Like why am I getting triggered? And what kind of tools can I then use at my disposal to then free me up from allowing that to impact me? Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is essentially you're creating these daily goals, kind of these mini goals. And I think one of my favorite quotes on goals, I'm going to butcher it, (laughs) but is if you don't plan where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. Sure. And it's one of those funny things that when when you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's right. You end up somewhere. But if you're not purposeful, yeah. right, then you don't know where you're going to end up. And it most assuredly will not be where you would desire. The other part of it is the more often that we course correct, we will stay on course more consistently. So mm-hmm. if I made example, uh, other side of the coin, if I made a, a one year goal and at the end of the year, I evaluate how did I do, I could have gone pretty far (laughs) off course because it was 365 days where I maybe, uh, let's say if my goal was to run a marathon or something, right? Like I, I could end up at the very end. It's like, Oh shoot. I didn't go running at all this entire year. Or I started one week and then I, I stopped and I never looked back at it. Now, if I'm, I think to your point, if every day I'm saying, Hey, I'm going to go for a run. Let's say it's a mile for sake of the example. Now, maybe I don't make it a mile, but I ran, right? Or if I didn't run that day, I am resetting myself to say, 
not a year from now, hey, will I start running? But the next day saying, hey, I didn't run. What got in the way of that? Yep. And I'm going to make sure that I run today. Yep. Yeah, and, so and it could be constant yeah. just tweaking is what it sounds like. Totally. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's all, I mean, that's kind of like the game of life, right? I mean, and part of like the goal setting too is like being really clear. It's like, hey, I want to run a marathon. Cool. Do you want to just complete the marathon? Do you want to be competitive? Is there like a time you're trying to beat? Good point. Yeah. Is there like a pace you're trying to set for like the first X amount of miles? Like all these things kind of matter. So I think it's getting really clear. And then you kind of reverse engineer what that could look like in terms of, you know, like how your training program looks. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, I think the way my mind works is very much in like structure systems and scheduling. Right. I think that's why I loved creating blueprints and training programs. Yeah. You know, but I, I love that in the sense of if you have a framework then that allows you to be incredibly creative and flexible within that framework. And I think there's another side of it of, you know, you can have like a, an idea of where you want to go in mind, but also I mean, life happens and you're going to shift and pivot. And that's totally cool. It's actually pretty exciting because if everything in life was just linear, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty boring. I'm like, okay, well then I do this thing. I get this thing, go on to the next thing. And I think that and I myself have like experienced that. It's like, you know, going from college to the NFL was a huge milestone in my life. Hmm. And I didn't really get how big of a deal that was until I left the NFL. I was like, wow, that was actually really cool. But I never gave myself the time to appreciate the hard work and dedication, the long hours, just the grind to get there. Yeah. And then when I left the NFL, everyone was like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, this actually feels really good to leave mm. because I see something else ahead of me. But then I didn't actually pause to look back and be like, wow, like I, that was a pretty big feat. And I'm really proud of that. Yeah, that's something that I've been guilty of in the past is simply not appreciating what I'm doing in the moment. Mm. And I remember very specifically, I mentioned a little earlier, I was on this skateboarding tour for six months straight. Now, when I first got on this tour, I thought I was going to do that for 10 years. You know, I was like, I discovered the thing I want to do. It's amazing. I found it. I'm doing it. And it only lasted six months. I broke my ankle very badly at the end of that six months tour. The company kind of moved on without me. And I kind of had to look at what was next in my life. But I didn't appreciate that because I thought it was going to last forever. Mm -hmm. Now, the benefit of that is I have had so many amazing moments since then where I recognize the importance of appreciating what I was doing while I was doing it. In fact, you could even say this situation right here, right? Like here we get the opportunity to sit here and create a piece of content that a bunch of people are going to learn, learn from and have an enjoyable conversation. And that could either go by without us really thinking about it or we could say man how lucky are we how fortunate are we that we get to have this during the work day you know yeah it's really cool yeah it's cool i mean it's that's awesome right i mean and your story is an interesting one too like a lot of people kind of go through these these things where they they think they've got it and then yeah. something happens in your case you broke your ankle you know if it didn't happen to you it happened for you because it then opened up so many new opportunities that wow. you would have never experienced. It's like, who knows? You and I would have probably never met if you hadn't broken your ankle. And if you had continued on for the next 10 years, you'd be in a completely different trajectory of your life. 
I have no life skills, that's for sure. Just skateboarding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I would have learned anything that was any useful off off of skateboard. (laughs) I would I would I would disagree with that, right? It's like the same conversation I had with my player, you know, who said, I don't know what I'm gonna do at twenty one. You know, it's like there's a lot of transferable skills. Yeah. It's just how you choose to look at it. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's like taking those moments. And I think it's it's interesting, especially like, you know, when COVID hit, you know, mm-hmm. it's like everybody was kind of locked down. They had a lot of time to process and look at things. Some did, some didn't. You know, that's the choices that they made. Right. And life, I think, kind of like came to like a full stop. And you're like, wow, um, what is important to me? What are the things I'm working on? What am I doing with my time during the day? You know, like just a quick note, it's like over Thanksgiving break, I did a vision quest out in in the desert in Arizona. Cool. And that was, it's something I've wanted to do for a very long time. And it was four days and three nights in the desert. I had a couple of gallons of water. You're totally sober. Uh, I had a tarp and a sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. And it was myself, my water and my sleeping bag and nature. And like, that's it. And how did you survive without a cell phone? (laughs) <laughs> well, dude, I got to tell you, man, it was one of the most interesting experiences because like I, the first couple of days, it was like this unraveling of like all of the, like just fatigue of like being on my phone, being on my computer, nonstop go. I mean, traveling, phone calls, Zoom, whatever. And then having to come full stop and then having this realization, it's like our day is super long. Like you have no idea how long the day is until you have nothing to do True. except sit and just be there. And I had like a 20 by 10, I'm fortunate. I had a 20 by 10 kind of quest site, you know, some people had much smaller, so I could at least like pace around a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, you sit there and the only concept of time is sunrise and sunset. Oh, wow. And then every four hours, you know, like the facilitators at the camp, you know, they have these massive drums and they bang a drum every four hours for like 10 minutes. One is to kind of give you some concept of time. Sure. Two, it's like to let you know that they're holding space and you know, they're sending out prayers for you because they know how challenging that is. Yeah. And you know, it was like the third day was probably my best day where I woke up and it was the most glorious sunrise I'd ever seen. Hmm. And my mind was completely clear. And I had this entire day of just clear, fluid, just like the, it, I, it's hard to explain, right? But it was just a beautiful, magical day. And then that sunset was like insane. Like one of the most insane sun- desert sunsets I have ever seen. And it finally clicked. I'm like, this is, this is it. Like this is every day is a beautiful masterpiece, right? And so what are we doing to contribute? Each day is a masterpiece that we can create for ourselves. We write our own stories. And so what are the choices that we're making on a day-to-day basis that continue to take us from day to day? You know, a deep psychological question is, if there's a beautiful sunset and nobody sees it on Instagram, was there a sunset? I'm just I know, kidding. right? <laughs> no, I, I get it, man. It's like part of me was like, man, I really wish I could take a picture, you know, but that's, here's the interesting thing too, right? Yeah. I had a conversation with one of the facilitators because we were talking about the sunrise and sunset. He goes, man, he's like, you know, everybody gets that every day. I mean, granted, you know, depending on where you are in the world, he's sure. like, but that's, that, that masterpiece was created just for you. It's like your perspective, your take, your angle, you know, that was just for you. Everybody gets that. That's really cool. You know, I went through a period where I was off of all of social media for about three years. And well, I was on Twitter because esports industry is on Twitter. Sure. So yeah. I think 
about a year and a half. I was off everything and then I got on Twitter, but um, didn't have, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever. And I used to be the type of person that was just so validated by what people saw I was doing. So I got into a place where more than me just enjoying the things I was doing, I didn't really enjoy something unless somebody validated it via mm. like, comment, share, etc. Mm-hmm. right? And something that was so incredibly healthy for me was not having the channel to share online eliminated that unhealthy behavior. Yeah. And so I really went through something for a little while where I was like, wait a minute, if I do something and nobody sees it, do I even enjoy it? And the healthy aspect that came out of that was, guess what? I don't do anything I don't enjoy if nobody sees it because nobody's seen it except for me. Mm. And then I learned to enjoy, like skateboarding especially, you know, I've been filmed since I was, what, 12 years old on a skateboard. And so I'm used to, even before social media, people pointing a camera at me, people seeing it and being validated in that way, right? And skateboarding is very much, you know, you do a hard trick, you document it, you share it. And it was a struggle for a while to really even enjoy skateboarding, the thing I love doing more than anything else, without documenting it. But what it did at the same time as I worked through that was it, helped me gain an appreciation for not just doing the hardest trick on my skateboard, but the act of skateboarding itself, how it felt to roll around, how catching a kickflip and, you know, rolling away or grinding on a rail or whatever, those little smaller, deeper details beyond what you would just see in a video clip. And it's made skateboarding more enjoyable for me in the long run. Oh, I love that, man. That's good work, man. That's good work. That's a good, I mean, it's such a, I acknowledge you for really kind of seeing that for what that was too. And like kind of removing that psychological hook. Right. Yeah. And that's like, that's doing the work really. And the other thing too is, you know, you talk about sharing with stuff, you know, we, we have a habit of just throwing content onto the internet (laughs) and seeing what comes back. And so just because I didn't have social media, didn't mean I couldn't share stuff. So instead of posting you know, that beautiful sunset online, for example, on Instagram, I would send it to like four or five of my closest friends. And guess what? It's, it's, they actually care because I care about them and they care about me rather than that was cool. Keep swiping, you know? Well, I want to get back to, you know, I love uh, the trail we're going down here, but I want to get back to a little bit of traditional sports and esports training. Uh, what is what are some of the the biggest differences in the training, and then what also are some things that are very similar that people might be surprised about? Yeah, so there's way more similarities and differences, which kind of shocked me when I was first. I mean, the whole story for me is, you know, I was in the NFL, I was coaching for the San Francisco 49ers. We were an absolutely terrible team. We made it through one coaching change. I didn't think we were going to make it through another. I had opportunities to go to other teams. Hmm. And I was like, you know what, if I'm ever going to make a move into something else, because I kind of felt that was coming. Yeah. Now's the time to do it. The NFL will always be there. And so a good friend of mine was like, hey, you should check out esports. Like, I really think there's something there for you in that. 
And I'm incredibly grateful for him to kind of like put that on my radar. Cause I had known of it. I just didn't realize how big it had gotten. Sure. And so when I started to really unpack that and look at like, okay, so there's teams, there's organizations, there's coaches, there's players, there's schedules, there's in season, there's all, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of similarities here. Mm. Granted the, the biggest, I think obvious difference is, you know, the physical output. Sure. You have individuals that are sitting down in static positions for long periods of time compared to any other field or court or, you know, whatever sport, traditional sports, you know, where they're actually moving in space or running, jumping, moving in space. I was like, okay, cool. Like I can get past that. Like that's not a big deal to me because yeah. there's still this level of output. And so for me, when I really looked at it, and again, a lot of my, a lot of my thought process in programming and creating periodization and really looking at like the layers in which you can develop programs for individuals comes from one of my mentors, James Smith, who's a very, very well sought after performance, like physical preparation coach and does now does a lot of high levels consulting for teams and organizations in other industries. And for him, he's like these governing dynamics, right? So there's these five things that are universal across the board. You have cultural, psychological, physiological, neurological, and tactical. Okay. Okay. So cultural, psychological, physical, uh, neurological and tactical. And, and part of that is saying, okay, if we take a step back and we're looking at these individuals that need to perform this task, there's an outcome they're trying to achieve. Okay, cool. What is the cultural framework of that organization, both as at large and then also within that team, is that set up in a way such that they can go be successful from a cultural standpoint? Are there team norms? Is there teamwork and communication? Are they doing debriefs? How do they communicate? How do they, how do they navigate both in game and out of game as a personal, as a person and as a professional? Hmm. Then there's the physiological, right? So what is happening in terms of the food they're putting in the body, the sleep that they're getting, how does that impact their gameplay? Neurological perception, cognition, and motor skills, which is influenced by their psychological, which is influenced by the cultural. Right. If you're in a if you're in a situation where there's not psychological safety, well, chances are your physiological and neurological outcomes are going to be impacted. Right. If you don't feel safe in an environment, well, then your stress level is going to go up. Good point. Right. So it's all a cascading. These are all connected, which then in turn impacts your tactical decision making. So those are kind of like the big buckets that I looked at, and then kind of like you know simplifying all of that. It's like okay, well, there's in game and out of game. Right. So, you know, in traditional sports, you have in-game things that you're trying to accomplish for esports, you do as well. Yeah. So that's game knowledge, game sense, mechanical skill, teamwork communication and tactical decision making as well. Okay. So those are all the in-game components out of game is okay. So you have your lifestyle, your psychological or your mindset, nutrition, movement, recovery. So those are kind of like the two big buckets with the five different components in each one. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, there's a lot of similarities between traditional sports and esports in that sense. And then kind of really focusing on esports, like, okay, well, what makes the most sense for, for gamers, right? Like I'm not going to ask of them to have crazy exercise routines because they don't need that. However, yeah. I think cardiovascular fitness is really important, both for longevity and cognitive performance, like research shows that. So what's the minimum that we can have them do to at least achieve some sort of desired result in that bucket? Uh, we know nutrition is really important. We also know that supplementation, like caffeine specifically is like rampant in esports. like True. tons of people over caffeinated. So what would that look like around education? 
to really say, okay, could we use less stimulants and still get the same results? Well, if we remove one thing, what can we add? And maybe that's in the form of better nutrition, yeah. more exercise, more sleep. You know, so a lot of it was just saying, okay, these are all just variables that we're trying to manipulate and adjust based on the individual and the team for their desired results. So it's all the same stuff. And a lot of the performance coaches that I talk to in esports that are either coming from traditional sports or like solely just esports, mm-hmm. like don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. It's super simple because at the fundamental level, it's all the same stuff. And so for those that are listening too, that are, you know, not a professional esport player or maybe don't even work in the esport organization, it's like there are things very easy, basic things that you can apply, take from the frameworks of traditional sports and how they approach their day. And you can apply that to your daily life if you choose to. Yeah. So a lot of what we're talking about here, some of the benefits, the things to do that help us, what are, you talked earlier about, you know, cognitive output and, um, uh, where my, my mind went are, okay, these are the positive things. What things should we be avoiding that can harm or reduce our cognitive output? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, like how you talk to yourself, right? Like being really aware of like your self-talk. Again, it kind of goes back to self-examination. Like how, how do I talk to myself? Like that's pretty interesting. Like I'm really, I'm a total, you know, I'm really hard on myself, you know, like that's yeah. interesting because that impacts your choices on a day-to-day basis. I think, you know, the obvious too is like, screen time, you know, like we're on our screen so much. It's like, can I reduce the amount of screen time, especially later in the day? It's a tough that could, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. I'm not saying it's easy, you know, but could I potentially reduce like even like five, 10 minutes, you know, towards the end of my day to allow me to be able to wind down and have a better night's sleep. I think also like stimulants, people get completely overstimulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, that basically leads into like neural fatigue. And then there's, uh, you know, this cascade effect with all of our other hormones that get jacked up because of that. Um, so there's a lot of things that you could start with. And I think it's some of the easy things to kind of the opposite of your question of what to avoid or things that you could do is hydrate, you know, drink more water, Yeah, drink water with electrolytes, like a pinch of sea salt or use like a flavorless electrolyte mix. That's really important. Most people are dehydrated on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm there. Why, why doesn't coffee hydrate you? It's made out of water. Uh, like, you know, I wish. And, I, and I'm, I'm not like, you know, I drink a lot of coffee. Like I love coffee. You know, Same. I love the taste of it. Um, and I love the pop you get from caffeine. Yeah. And I also acknowledge that like I do build up dependencies on that. And that's why I have scheduled times throughout the year where I get off caffeine completely. Oh, it's like a total reset. Yeah. You know, talking about the self-talk there for a moment, I had my coach, uh, Sharon Gill. She was on the podcast. She's the one who's coached me last year and really just changed my life. My mindset. Awesome. It's really even hard to even articulate and go back into my previous mindset and that's you can't once you once you see it you can't unsee it yeah and so one of the things that we're talking about is this um this positive self-talk and that it really does make an impact and i i I said on the podcast episode i said sharon this stuff sounds great but are you really telling me that when you look in the mirror and you say you know you are smart you are beautiful you are blessed you know you have favor, like all of these things. I was like, let's check the BS meter 
here at the door for a minute. And she said, John, tell me, does this affect you? You are ugly. You are stupid. You can't do this. You're not good enough. And oh, like I just like felt those things come over me when she said it. And I was like, wow, we are so very aware of negative talk, right? Especially when it's coming from somebody else, like whether that's a parent, whether it's somebody close to you, etc. Um, and it's so important to realize that you can have just as much of an effect the other way in the positive direction through that as those negative words could cause. And I think it's something that very, very few people do. In fact, I'm aware of it. I almost never do it myself. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, who's the one person you spend the most time with yourself? True. Mm -hmm. So how you talk to yourself is pretty important. Right. And it's like, we're not taught that stuff in school. Yeah. You know, and I think like, that's like, and for me, like where I'm at in my, my stage of my career and like what I'm up to and like, what I really want to continue to move into is like just helping people free themselves of that. You know, it's like having conversations like this and be like, there is, there are ways in which you can choose to take back control of your life. And it starts with yourself, right? It's like, what, how do I want to relate to myself? And then once I get right with myself, but then, then how do I want to relate to others and positive? That's why I do gratitude every morning too. Some, some mornings it's kind of, kind of, kind of lands like, wow, I'm really grateful for this cup of coffee. Like this is a great <laughs> cup of coffee. And other mornings it's more profound and deep and you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, you don't have to put even like, we tend to do this too, right? It's like, oh, it has to be right. There's no right, wrong, good or bad. It's just what it is. Well, and so I think kind yeah. of getting past that too. It's also so easy to focus on everything that we don't have and forget everything that we do. Living in the gap, right? Right. So That's I could that say, is. man, I wish my this thing in my life was different or I wish that was different or I wish why did they do that to me or this that and the other rather than instead saying wait a minute I have well like us we have the opportunity the time and the resources to be right here talking to each other and broadcasting this to a lot of people who are going to learn a lot from it and you know I have the opportunity to this I'm grateful for this just breath right in fact I saw a quote very recently, uh, my friend Melanie Mack, she's a uh, she's a gaming streamer, and she was on this ep- this podcast as well. She posted something. It said something like, "If you don't make time for wellness, you'll be forced to make time for illness." Mm. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> it's true." Real talk. So I think those are the things where, you know, man, there's just so so much I got out of this conversation. Um, to, to, to leave the audience here with a few things. First of all, um, tell us how folks should get in, in touch with you uh, in the way w- they should if they want to follow you or uh, be a part of some of the things you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. It's Coach T underscore Johnson. Uh, you can reach out on uh, LinkedIn. Um, shoot me a message on there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a conversation like this. I love having, and I, again, I really appreciate you having me on and, you know, the opportunity to, to kind of talk about this stuff. Cause I don't think it's, I mean, it's happening more now than it has ever. Sure. Uh, and so just continue to, to share that good message. Absolutely. Yeah. Please reach out. Any questions, comments, concerns, you want to call BS on something, go for it. I'm always open to any conversation. Cool. And because you're such an insightful person and you love to share, um, give me just, if you wanted this audience to come away with one thing, 
from this episode, whether we've mentioned it before or whether it's something just on your mind that we haven't talked about, what would that one be one thing be that you'd want people to come away from? Oh, that's a good one. Comes up for me most. I think again, it's like not everybody can go do like four days in the desert, right? Sure. But I would say like give yourself at least, you know, twenty minutes once a week to just be. You know? Just just be with yourself for twenty minutes. Hmm. You know, and just and not even that, it'd even be just five minutes. You know, just give yourself time to just be and not have an agenda and just kind of sit and just be there, you know, and just see what comes up, you know, and then maybe journal about that, you know? So that's one thing is just give yourself time outside of the crazy hustle of life. Just be, uh, is, you know, you kind of talked about it towards the end is like, just breathe, you know, really get good at understanding like how important your breath is on a day-to-day basis. You can amp yourself up. You can calm yourself down. It is a very powerful tool at your disposal. Uh, and then the third would be to, even if it's just, you know, three points of gratitude is have some sort of journaling practice, Yeah. you know, or some sort of check-in with yourself every day. And that can be kind of parlayed with, you know, giving yourself time, you know, but I think these are the things that are really important and useful as we continue to, to grow and evolve as people, you know, it's just give yourself the time to sit, to be, to decompress, I love that. Well, thank you so much, uh, Taylor, for taking the time uh, to spend this time with me and with our audience. Um, it's great to see you again. I, I learned a lot. I know everybody listening learned a lot. Thank you for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thanks, brother. Really appreciate you and acknowledge all the work that you're doing and the impact you're having in the space. Incredibly grateful for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.